1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 through 17 is where we're going to be at this morning. I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. You follow along. By the way, you know, we always read the scripture and then you'll notice I pray afterward. And what the, the focus of my prayer on, uh, on each Sunday, if you, if you remember, is I just really ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. And uh, I don't know what you're doing while I'm praying. I mean, hopefully you're listening. But what I would like for you to be doing during that time is for you to be praying as well. Holy Spirit, teach me. You know, the Bible says uh, the last couple of weeks we've been looking at how the natural man and the spiritual man, the natural man doesn't understand the things of God. The spiritual man understands the things of God and rightly appraises them. So pray that the Spirit would teach you. So, you know, as, as we read the scripture and as we begin to pray, just in your own heart, Holy Spirit, teach me. Open my heart. You know, let, let me get it today, okay? Beginning in verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And you are that temple. Father, we ask that you would teach us today. We ask that your Holy Spirit would move uh, among our midst. That you would uh, open our mind and our heart to embrace truth. To value truth. To see the the reality of of what is coming for us. And to be prepared for that. uh, To be to be longing and looking and building so that we might hear someday, well done, good and faithful servant. God, we want that. Make that real to us today. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, to some degree, you're probably all somewhat familiar with evaluations, right? Uh, some of you may be in jobs right now where you go through periods uh, where you have to be evaluated. Maybe some of you, it's on a yearly basis or maybe every six months or something like that. Or maybe you start a new job and you get evaluated and maybe after six weeks or something like that. But that's pretty common practice in, in a lot of companies is to have some sort of evaluation, some, some sort of way where the boss says, okay, or your supervisor says, all right, you know, here's the job you've done. Here's how you've, you've built on our company. Here's how you've, you've worked in our company. And, and it's either good or it's either bad. And many times there are consequences consequences for that. Many times your raise might be based upon that evaluation or maybe your lack of raise or maybe even you get terminated because of the evaluation of what you've done, how you've, how you've conducted yourself within the company. If you're a student here today, you're really familiar with evaluations because the, the, the school is so generous to send a card to your parents about every, every nine weeks, isn't it? Every, every semester. And, and then that card, it, it evaluates what you've done through that, that semester, what you've done in mathematics and what you've done in science and what you've done in, in, in everything, you know, even PE, you know, you get a grade on, you know, how well you took the dodgeball hit to the head, you know, and, and so you're evaluated and that's kind of a part of life. It's a part of life that a lot of people are not very fond of, you know, 
A lot of times, part of that growing up process is we can't wait to get to a day when people aren't judging our life, right? I mean, did you ever feel that? You know, maybe as you were transitioning out of out of uh, high school, out of your parents' house, you know, to come to a day where you can just live out wherever you want, you know? You don't got to take piano no more. You don't got to go to recital anymore. You don't get grades anymore. You don't get evaluated. Many of you, you were even kind of pushed into owning your own business because you wanted that freedom of nobody, nobody telling you what to do, nobody holding you accountable to any kind of standard, right? I mean, that's, that's the American way to live our lives however we want and nobody can tell us what to do. Well, actually, there's going to be a reckoning for your life, okay? I hate to burst your bubble about that, but there's, there's going to be a reckoning. There's actually going to be a judgment of your entire life, okay? And especially as Christians, what you did with your Christian life, okay? Paul calls that the day, okay? Not D-Day. That was a, a day in World War II. But the day, okay? Look in verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Now, what is the day, okay? In a lot of ways, you can look at the day as the last day, okay? The last day before eternity stretches out in front of you in the new heavens and the new earth or in a place the Bible calls hell. But the day is the last day. It's the day when Christ returns. It's the day when, when, he, when, he, when everybody, all nations, everyone who's ever lived stands before Jesus, stands before God to give an account of their life. Lots of places in the Bible that we, that we find this day. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 12. It says, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what was written in the books. Man, there, there's books that are being written about your life, about, about the life of the nations, about the life of the world. Okay, and those books will be, they'll be an accounting on the last day. In Revelation 22, verse 12, Jesus says this, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. Now, some of you, you're going to say, whoa, 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 hold on, pastor. The Bible is simply talking about people who aren't believers. Okay. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but the Bible's talking about people who aren't believers, people who are going to be judged for their sin. I'm not going to be judged for my sin because of Jesus who took away my sin. Right. And so, so right away you just squeeze right out of the sermon, don't you? You know, and you begin to set your mind on pot roast. Hold on. Not so quick. Okay. Uh, I agree with what you said, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but here's what the Bible says. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. And if you look at 2 Corinthians 5, there is no way in the world you can say that's talking about anybody other than Christians, okay? Why do I say that? Well, let's look at it real quick. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Let me ask you, who walks by faith and not by sight? Believers or unbelievers? Believers, right? Verse 8, yes, we're of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Let me ask you, who are the people who can't wait to be out of the body and at home with Jesus Christ? Those would be Christians, would they not? Believers. Verse 9, so whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him, Jesus. Who makes it their aim to please Jesus? Please, Jesus. Christians do. And then verse 10, we must all, A-L-L, everybody appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so what we find here is that there's going to be a judgment day. It's called the day. And in that day, both unbelievers and believers will stand before the judgment seat of God. Now, that will be a different 
judgment for those two groups of people. Let's talk about that. First of all, for those who were not connected to Jesus Christ, those who are not Christians, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells us that that, that right away there'll be a great separation of Christians from non-Christians. If you were to go and live in Jesus' day, one of the things that you would see all the time is shepherds separating out their flocks. Okay, A shepherd would go through his flocks and he might separate the sheep from the goats. You see cattle people doing that now. You see a cattleman going through his flock and, and there's a time all the time or every year where, where cow-calf guys, they separate the cows from the calves. You know, They'll go through and, and they'll just separate the flock. Okay, Well, the Bible pictures, that's what will happen in the last day as the judgment is about to happen. And verse 31 says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is Matthew 25, 31, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, okay? So immediately there's going to be a separation of believers from unbelievers. And if you find yourself in the category of being without Jesus Christ on that day, then my friends, your entire life will really be meaningless because you will be having be found away from Christ, separated from God, and you will have to pay for your sins for all eternity in a place the Bible calls hell, okay? That's the judgment of unbelievers. That's the judgment of those who said, I don't want Jesus. No, thank you to the cross. I don't believe in this forgiveness stuff. I don't believe in Christ's death for me. I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe in in following Jesus and denying myself. I reject it. I'll do what I want to do. And you have every right to do that. But in the end, Jesus will put you in a place of being separated from God forever. You'll, You'll basically get what you wanted. You didn't want God in this life and God will say, okay, you don't have me forever. Okay. That's the, that's the initial judgment on, 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 on unbelievers, on those who don't have Christ as their Lord and Savior, okay? Now, the other group, okay? The sheep, okay? In in Jesus' picture in Matthew 25. Those who are joined to Jesus Christ, those who are saved by His sacrificial death, okay? On that day, you, you, if that's who you are today, you will stand in in the presence of God, not having to pay for your sins, not because of anything you did, but because of everything that Jesus did. Because of His sinless life and His sacrificial death on the cross for you, when his righteousness was put in your account, you will stand blameless before God on that day, not having to pay for your sins, not having, a, having to, to, to spend an eternity away from God, suffering the wrath of God because of the righteous life and the blood of Jesus Christ given for you. Amen? That's good news, right? You're not going to pay for your sins and we rejoice over that. That is the gospel. But let me tell you, that does not mean you're not accountable for your life. You see, some people hear that gospel story, they embrace those truths. And so what they do is like, wow, if that's the truth, then I'm going to kick back, not do anything with this life that God's given me, and it'll all be fine. I don't believe that's what the Bible would say, okay? Jesus gave you life. He gave you new life. He gave you redemption. He gave you adoption and forgiveness and the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and the church and the people of God. And what you do with that life, it matters, It matters. It's a ludicrous thing to think that your Christian life doesn't matter for anything. That that it's not going to matter for eternity. That it's not going to have any kind of accountability or responsibility or or, or reckoning in the last day. There will be accountability for how you live the new life in Christ that you have been given. Okay? And so in this passage, beginning in verse 10 and 11, Paul likens the church to a building. Which is really interesting because we fight really hard to, to try to get you not to think of the church as a building, don't we? You know, because it's not a building. Where, what is the church? The church is 
us, right? I mean, we're the church. In fact, look at verse 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are God's temple? Do you guys know that? Who's the temple of God? You're the temple of God, okay? You're the temple of God. God's spirit dwells in you. Verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. You are the temple of God. The spirit of God dwells in you. So who's the church? You're the church, okay? Born again people of God are the church. And so Paul likens us, okay, to this building that God is building. Now, what's the foundation of the building? Foundation is pretty important. If you're you're ever going to build anything, please don't wait till afterward to think about the foundation. You need to think about that right away because if your foundation is not solid, your building will not stand. And so in verse 10, Paul says, I as a master skilled builder laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Be careful how you build upon it. Verse 11, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what is the foundation? of the church it's jesus christ how did michelle get into the church you're saying well she used that door right back there no no this is not the church i'm saying how did she get in the church okay the church is the people of god the church is the holy spirit living inside of michelle how did michelle get there she got there through the foundation of jesus christ she got there through the death of jesus christ the resurrection of jesus christ through repenting of her sin putting her faith in christ being being filled and joined to jesus christ that's how she got in the church okay so the foundation of the church is the gospel of jesus christ there can't be any other foundation And now Paul says, everybody else is building on that foundation, okay? Michelle probably had a Sunday school teacher that began to build on that foundation. Michelle had parents, Christian parents, I've met them. They they come to service here three or four times a year, who built on that foundation, who invested truth into her life, who prayed for her, who kept her accountable, right? We're building on that foundation. Now, here's a big question. Who's building on the foundation? Now, some people are going to say, Pastor, it's, it's the leaders. Man, that's you guys, you know? It's your fault, you know? It's, it's you. It's you and Pastor Chris and Pastor Andrew. and It's the Sunday school teachers. And it's my small group leader. You know, they're the ones that are building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. I, I completely agree with you. And in fact, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that those leaders, those teachers, those, those, those who are in positions of leadership in the church, they are people who have an accountability and who will give account for the way that they've built upon the church. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. But, you know what the implication of that verse is? If, if pastors are judged with greater strictness, then what does that mean about everybody else? They're still judged, right? Isn't that right? It, to be judged with greater strictness, then there's got to be someone who's judged with lesser strictness, okay? And, and the only reason we're judged with greater strictness is because we, we, we have bigger responsibility. We have, a bigger, we have a bigger audience, okay? I mean, you guys give me the great privilege of coming in here every week and you let me talk for 45 minutes to an hour, you know? And, and, and you listen, okay? There, there's a responsibility that comes with that privilege that I've been given, okay? But here's the reality. You've been given, account, you've been given uh, the opportunity to build upon the church as well and you're accountable for what you build. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.10, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, that means everybody. Everybody is accountable. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that each one, this is in verse 7, each one has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that God puts all kinds of people in the church and they're all to work on the church. They're all to work on faith. They're all to work on other people's faith, to strengthen each other in the faith. In Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 12, it talks about the role of pastors and leaders. And in verse 11, it says, And he gave some as apostles, 
prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What are they supposed to be doing? Verse 12, to equip the saints, the saints are you guys, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, we're, we're all in this deal, okay? You're building. I don't know if you knew you were building, but I'm telling you, you are right now, okay? With your life, you're building on the foundation of the gospel, Okay? If you're in the church, okay, not in the building, but in the church, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. You got there through the foundation, through the gospel, and now with your life, you're building upon the church. With your life, you're, you're, you're praying. With your life, you're, you're, you're investing. You're teaching your kids spiritual things. You're having spiritual conversations with your, your friends. You're, uh, you're having lunch where you build relationships. You're caring for people. You're doing things in Jesus' name. You're giving financially of, of, of your resources to the work of the kingdom. Okay, You're building, or the other alternative You're not doing any of that stuff. But you know what? That still means you're building. You're just just building poorly. Okay? But everybody's building. Do you get that point? There's an omissional assumption here. Okay? There's an omissional assumption here that you are saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And from that point on, you're building upon that foundation. And you're either building poorly or you're building well. Okay? Let me ask you this question. Does anybody, any Christian, any Christian, does any Christian have the right to excuse themselves from that mission? Can we do that? Can, can we, that's a good question, isn't it? Can anybody say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for adoption. Thank you for, for forgiveness. Thank you for heaven. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that you put inside of me. And now, Lord, I just wanted to let you know that I, I am not going to do any kind of work for you the rest of my life. I'll see you in heaven, though. Can, can we do that? Can we just excuse ourselves from the mission? Well, the answer to that is no. You, you can't do that. God saved you for a purpose. But number, number two, I mean, the way that the Christian life is set up, you're building even if you don't want to build, okay? That person that says, I'm excusing myself from, from investing in the church, you're still investing, okay? When you, when, you, when you gather your kids at night and you tuck them in and you, you either do invest or you don't invest, you're still investing, one way or another, it's just either poorly or, or well, right? By not telling them about Jesus, aren't you telling them something? Do you, do you see my point there? We're all, we're all investing. We're all building. But, but Paul's point is, what kind of materials are you using to build? Okay, what, what, what are you using? Look at verse 12. If anyone builds on the foundation with, okay, and there's two types of materials there. Number one, gold, silver, precious stones. Okay, that's one type. Or wood, hay, and straw. Okay. So, so the example of your life, the truths that you speak, the acts that you do or don't do, the relationships you build, the people you care for, um, the, the people you pray for, the, the people you, you eat lunch with, the people in your small group, the people in team kids, uh, and when you have a conversation with a checker at the grocery store, when you pray with your wife or don't pray with your wife, you are building, building, building. The question is, what kind of materials are you using? Okay? Paul gives you two choices. Okay? The, the two choices are gold, silver, precious stones. That's the one kind. Or the other is wood, hay, or straw. Now, the, two, the differences between those two, let's talk about them. They're pretty obvious. Number one, the one lasts through fire and the other doesn't. Okay? Uh, in just a moment, we're going to talk about the fire. But God is going to run our life through fire. Okay? Now, the fire is not hell. The fire is a testing of fire. That's the way you would test things many times in, in, in Jesus' day and in, in biblical culture. And so he's going to run our life through the fire. And what's going to remain? What's going to last? What's going to be of value? What's going to be of significance? What's going to make it through to the other side? Okay? That, that's the big question we've got to ask. And, and, and so, so Paul says, are we building with gold, silver, and precious stones? Are we building things that are going to last? Are we doing things in this life that are going to make it through to eternity? Okay? 
And, and again, it's, it's not like it's not like God's holding us to this incredible, you know, standard. You know, did you learn Hebrew? You know, I mean, no. I mean, it's are you doing spiritual work? You know, are you investing in your kids? You say, I don't know what to say. If you're a Christian, you do know what to say. You know the gospel. Okay, can you be a Christian and not know the gospel? That's a really hard thing to do, isn't it? Uh, you know the gospel. And so are, are, are you investing in some way? I switched it around on my kids this week. I made them be the teacher. It's fun. Every night I ask a different kid. I said, tell me the gospel. I want you to explain to me the gospel. Articulate the gospel. And, and whenever they leave out parts, like, like one, one kid, I remember which it was, left out sin. They just went right to, you know, Jesus died for it. I said, well, what did he die for? That was a silly thing to do, you know. Why didn't he come and just be victorious? He's God, you know. And they're like stunned. And then, then they got, oh, because we're sinners, Dad, you know. Well, I, I, what I'm trying to tell you is God's not asking of you things that, that you can't do. But he's just saying, are you building? Are you, are, you, are you building things that will last? Last. Last beyond tomorrow. Last into eternity. Spiritual work. Spiritual things, Okay. So, so the first thing, gold, silver, precious stones, they're going to last, okay? So are you, are, you, are you investing in things that will last? Are you investing in things that, 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 that are priceless, okay? The, the two, one of the other differences between gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, is one is cheap and one's not, okay? Uh, one is expensive, one's not, okay? And so ask yourself, am I giving the best of my life to God? You know, there's a passage in, in the Old Testament where God rebukes the people of God for giving God their leftovers. Malachi chapter 1, this was still when they were in the sacrificial system, when they would go to the temple and they would offer like a bull or a goat or, or whatever, uh, some kind of sacrificial offering. And in, in Malachi chapter 1 verse 8, uh, God says, When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present those to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? Okay, the picture here is of some boy, some guy, and, and, he, and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna worship. He's going to offer something to God. And so he goes to his flock, and you remember how this was supposed to go. You're supposed to go to your flock, and you're supposed to pick the best one, you know, the, the state fair one, you know. And you're supposed to pick that one, and you're supposed to, I'm going to give this to God. I'm going to offer this to God as a, as a, as a token of, of, of my trust in him, my trust in him to provide for me, my, my love for him, my gratitude to, to, for being the people of God. So you're supposed to pick the best one. They didn't pick the best one. They looked over at the one that was about to die, you know. He got attacked by a wolf a couple days before. His eyes all bandaged. You know, it's all bleeding out and he can't see and he's blind and he's got one lame leg and I mean, he's on death's door. And they're like, load that one up. We'll give him to God, okay? You know, God can have that one. And, and it's a picture of giving the leftovers, giving the junk of your life to God. And, and so when we look at what are you building on and the picture is gold, precious stones or silver or it's wood, air, or straw, ask yourself, what am I giving to God out of my life? Am I giving the best of my life to God? Am I giving the best of my time to God? Am I giving the best of my resources to God? God? Am I giving the best of my energy to God? Or does God get the scraps of my life? Many of you have built houses. I never have, but some of you have. Some of you have built your own house, you know. And I, and I wonder, how did you do that? You know, I bet most of you went to Lowe's or you went to the hardware store or whatever, and you, you got the best stuff. Kenny's done a bunch of construction for us here at the church. And Kenny always goes and gets good wood. You know, I, I don't know that I would know good wood if I saw it. But he's always, you know, he's saying, ah, I didn't have good wood. You know, look at this, got a knot in. You know, he, he wants the best materials, you know, for what, what we're going to build. 
Okay? I wonder how many of you, when you built your house, you just waited for trash day, you know, around the city. You just you kind of knew where the city goes, you know, their route. And, and you just drove early in the morning, you know, and you just drove down the trash route. And you're like, whoa, whoa, stop the car, you know. Somebody threw out some stuff. And you, you loaded up, you know. Some, somebody tore down their shed or whatever. And there's a bunch of splintered two-by-fours. And there's a, you know, a bunch of broken stuff. And there's some old wiring with the insulation taken off. Man, you load that up. We're going to make that in our house, you know. And I don't know, maybe some of you did did but here listen i don't think that's a great way to build god's house you know i mean i don't think you ought to use the worst materials and that's the point here you ought not give god your leftovers you got all these other things you pour your life into you pour your life into your recreation you pour your life into your hobbies you pour your life into into your work you pour your life into into other things but then when it comes to that that part of you that's investing spiritually do you give that the least of yourself if you are you're building with wood hey and straw. Man, here's, here's something we need to know. Your motive is going to matter. It's kind of an unsettling thing to me. Is that your motive will matter. In, in the end day, right now, people don't know your motive, right? You don't know why I'm up here. I could be just up here. I could have quit yesterday, but, you know, I felt obligated to come say something to you, you know? But tomorrow I'm running off to Tahiti or whatever. I don't know. You don't know. We can fake a lot of things, can't we? I don't know why you're here. You might be here because someone made you. You know? That, that could be. You, you, you might be here because someone made you come. They guilt-tripped you. They, they twisted your arm. And you, you, this is the last place in the world you want to be. In fact, you might even be here kind of ticked off because you know, NASCAR is on and you're missing the first of the race. But you're smiling, and you're, you're cordial to everybody. Nobody knows it, you know? They look over at you. Boy, that's a spiritual guy. And on the inside, you're going, we don't know. One day, though, here's the deal. We're going to know. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light those things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart then each one will receive his commendation from God. Man, did you hear that? One day, my motives, why I stood up here every week, that's going to be known to everybody. It's going to be known. Why did I do it? Why did I do the things I do? Why? Why do you, why do, you do the things you do? Motives going to matter. God, God's, going to, God's going to look at that. That's going to determine whether it's gold, silver, precious stones, or whether it's wood, hay, or straw. True doctrine is going to matter. Man, whether you, did, whether you did what you did out of love is going to matter. You know that? You know when you ministered to that person? You know, you, you helped them out. Why'd you do it? Did you do it because you felt trapped? You know, you knew they knew you went to church and you happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time when they needed help. And you're like, oh, if I don't do this, I'm going to look bad. So you helped them. Or 1 Corinthians 13, listen to it. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love... I'm a noisy gong or a clingy cymbal. If I have all prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Man, I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're trying to live your Christian life and, and you don't have love, you don't really love your family, you don't really love others, you don't really love people, you don't really love lost people, you don't really love other Christians, it's just all this fake show. Man, you're building with wood, hay, and straw. 
You're building something that's not going to last. Okay? And there's going to be fire. Verse 13. Look at it. There's going to be fire. Uh, Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And this is not the fires of hell. Remember? Okay, that's that's already been decided by the gospel. Amen again. So excited about that. So excited about not paying for my sins. Jesus righteous inside of me. Not going to hell. Okay, but God's going to run my life through, through the, through the furnace, so if you will, and, and only what is valuable will last. Only what's genuine will last. Only what was done out of pure motives, out of love for him, out of love for others is going to last. So there's going to be this, this fire that's going to, that's going to sweep through my life. And, and only what was done for Christ and for, for his glory is going to last. And then look at verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. Okay. Raise your hand if you're excited about that. I want to know, are you excited about that? Most people, okay. He will receive a reward, okay? Now, I'm excited about that, uh, and I think you ought to be excited about that. Some people say things like this. I've heard this. people say this before. Well, Pastor, I don't care if I have any rewards in heaven. I just want to get through. I just want to get there, you know? I just, I want to be the guy that as the door's coming down, I dive through and roll under, you know? And, and you know, that that's all I care about. Man, there's something wrong with the way you look at God, if that's all you care about. Sometimes even people, people say that in a kind of a spiritual way. I don't need any rewards. I just want to be in. Hey, you, that, that's not, that's not, let, let me, let me show you why that's bad. Okay. Let me show you why you should not feel that way. Let me show you why you, you should want to please the Lord. You should want to honor the Lord. You should want, you should want to be rewarded by him. Hebrews 11 verse six. Okay. This is a pivotal verse. It says without faith, it is impossible to please him. Okay. You cannot please God without faith. Okay. Now listen to how the description of faith goes though. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. That's number one. Here's number two. And that he rewards those who seek him. Must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So in other words, if you don't believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him, then your, your, your faith is haywire. Okay? If you, if you don't look at the character of God and say, man, God is good. He is glorious. He is awesome. He is generous. He is merciful. He is kind. He is everything that I need. I need, I need, I need love in my life. I need valor in my life. I need courage in my life. I need justification in my life. I need redemption in my life. I need a family in my life. And I am seeking God because I believe he is going to give that to me. Okay. If you don't believe that, if you're one of those people that says, you know, I don't want anything from God. You know, just, just get me into heaven. That's all I mean. You're not knowing the character of God because if you, if you believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him, you'd be calling, you'd be, you'd be seeking, you'd be opening your Bible. You'd be running hard after him. You see, it's not honoring to God to say you don't want anything from him. What it really says is you don't think he's got what you need. I've given a, an advertisement for Jeff's plumbing in all three services. You know, I just want to point out that a lot of, I don't know. A lot of, that's really a valuable thing that I would think would, you know, be rewarded possibly. But anyway, <laughs> let's just say you got plumbing problems, okay? Plumbing problems are bad. You know, when, all, when that stuff that's supposed to be going into the sewer and on to Oklahoma City, when that stuff's coming up in your bathtub and on your floor, it's a bad deal, my friends. Things, things get serious, okay? Let's say you've got serious, serious plumbing issues, and you come, you, I'm, I'm, let's say I'm at your house or whatever, and you say, man, I, we've, this horrible. We're not going to be able to live here. And I say, you need to call Jeff Wales. Jeff Wales is a good plumber. Man, he, he can fix all manner of plumbing evil. He is a good guy. Not only is he a good plumber, but, but he's kind. He's generous. He's a hard worker. He's honest. 
If I tell you all that stuff and I leave and you don't call Jeff, what does that say? I'll tell you what it says. You didn't believe me. Doesn't it? You didn't believe what I said about Jeff. Okay? Or if, if, if you call him, but after you hang up your phone, you look over at your wife and you say, I bet he ain't going to be able to help us. Okay? I mean, there's a care. You see what I'm saying? Some, some people, that's, that's, that's what happened with God. You know, we open up our Bibles and we say, man, he's a giver of peace. He's a giver of joy. He's a giver of satisfaction. He, he's a giver of love. He's, he's a giver of eternity. He's a giver of life. And people are like, nah, I'm not praying. I'm not calling. I'm not seeking. There's a problem there. There's a problem in what you think about God. Okay? So, so part of faith is believing that, man, if I call on God... He's what I need. I'm going to get, I'm going I'm to get rewarded. Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Okay? There's a clear conviction in many people that they don't believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. That they don't believe in the character of God. I know the question you're going to ask. What's the reward? Answer, I'm not sure, okay? I have my ideas, but I'm not sure. And I would, I would firmly tell you, I don't believe the Bible is clear about what the rewards of heaven are going to be like, okay? But let me tell you this. I don't think what it is matters as much as who it's from, okay? I, I think that's the key. Again, it's faith. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about Christ? You know, I mean, that's the key right now in this life. It's the key for eternity. What do you believe about Jesus? If you believe he's the first and best of beings, if you believe he's the author of pleasure in life, if you believe he's the only one who satisfies souls, if you believe he's the giver of every good gift, then, then what it, all that matters is you seek him and he's, he's going to reward, right? Isn't that all that matters? Valentine's Day is coming up Tuesday. Guys, if you didn't know that, you got two days. Make it happen, okay? Don't be a fool, okay? Do something. Do something. All right. But let's say I tell my wife, I'll say, honey, I'm not telling you what I got you for Valentine's Day, but I am telling you it came from Dollar Tree. Okay. Now, she doesn't know what it is, but she knows from where it came, and she's probably not very excited. Okay. Now, if I tell her, I say, honey, I got some for Valentine's Day. I'm not telling you where it came, but, but I'm not telling you what it is, but it came from James Avery Craftsman. That's her favorite jewelry store in Oklahoma City. She likes all that sterling silver stuff. And I say, it came from James Avery. She's going to be excited because she doesn't know what it is, but she knows from where it came. And, and she likes that place. She knows they got good stuff in there. It's all good stuff. None of it's cheap. I've tried. I've looked for the cheapest thing in there, and none of it's cheap. So she knows it's going to be good. Well, ramp that up to Jesus, okay? If you know Jesus says, I'll reward. Man, I'll tell you what. If, if you just get that principle down in your head, if you believe that about Jesus, that's going to change the way you live your Christian life. If you look in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, I'm not going to read, read it here, but just look through Matthew chapter 6 and notice how many times it says God will reward you. I mean, when he talks about giving to the needy, you know, he talks about don't do it for, for, for men's applause. In verse 4, he says you, you, that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. In verse 6, he talks about prayer and he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And in verse 18, he talks about fasting and he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, people who know the character of God, they get excited about that. They don't know how God's going to do it, but they're excited because they know the character of God and they trust the character of God. And so 
When God says, I'm going to reward you, man, they're excited. First Peter chapter 1, verse 4 talks about uh, our inheritance being imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I tell you what, the one that, one that roused me up there is unfading. Everything else in this life is fading, isn't it? Whatever you get, it always diminishes, doesn't it? It diminishes in joy and in quality and in, in, in how it works. But in heaven, whatever we're going to get from God is going to be unfading. It's never going to diminish. That's a glorious truth. In Luke 19, 17 and Matthew 25, 21, we don't have time to look them up. But there are parables in which Jesus talks about our reward being more responsibility in heaven than in the new heavens and the new earth. There's going to be cities and commerce and some kind of system in which we're going to live. And, and those who've done well with what God gave him in this life will be rewarded with more in that life. I don't know how it's all going to look, but I just know it's in the Bible. Okay. Here's what really excites me in first Corinthians chapter four, verse five. It's a verse we already read. talks about our motives and at the end of verse, it says, then each one will receive his commendation from God, his commendation from God. How much does it mean to you to have somebody you love and respect get up and affirm you in front of other people? Does that mean a lot to you? Huh, guys, does it? It does. It means a lot to me. That, to have, I tell you what, when my wife speaks well of me, that, that means a lot to me. But, but to have someone I respect and love affirm me, I'll never forget. I've told this story in all, all three services State wrestling, 1990, I was a senior, and I was wrestling in the championship down in the bottom of the Kansas Coliseum. I got done wrestling, and I lost the match. I lost it 8-7, to seven, okay? But... But, but my dad came out of the grandstands. It's got these big grandstands all around the top. And then down at the bottom is just for, for wrestlers and coaches. And my dad got a, 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 a lanyard from one of the coaches. My dad never breaks any rules. But he, he got a lanyard from one of the coaches. And he went down there. And as I came off that mat, I saw my dad coming. And he came and he put his arm around me. And he said, good job, son. Man, to this day, that is meaningful to me. For my dad to come out in front of everybody and put his arm around me and say, good job, son. Man, that's meaningful. How much is it going to be? Can you even even fathom the King of Kings, Jesus Christ? Can you even get it in your head what seeing his glory is going to be like? Can, Can you even imagine the glory of Jesus and then to have him say... Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what he says every time in the parable. Remember, he says, the guy that invested well, invested what God gave him. Well done, good and faithful servant. My friends, how much will that fill your tank up for eternity? You know what I think we'll do? I think after a million years, we'll be sitting around and I'll say, man, do you remember when Jesus came, you know, and he came out of the stands. Then he put his arm and his glory just shone him. And he told me, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm not. I'm just saying the glimpses we get are amazing. All right. But look at this. This troubles me. Some people ignore this. They just. They just I, I, I've seen. I've talked with people, and they just want to wipe this verse out of the Bible. And I think that's a mistake. Verse fifteen. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. It's talking about a Christian, obviously. Why? Because he's saved. Okay? He's covered in the blood of Jesus. But this is a person who did not build well. They didn't give God the best of their life. They didn't, do, they didn't, they didn't invest spiritual things that would last. And they blew it. They blew their life. Now, some of you are going to make the argument, well, it's not going to matter because I'll be saved. 
All that matters is that I get into heaven. I do not think that is true. I think that's a lie. Let me tell you why I think it's a lie. Let me give you three reasons. And, and, and I don't know what suffer loss means, okay? I, I'll just tell you right now, I don't know exactly how that's going to go, but, but, but let me tell you this. Three reasons why I think it'll matter. Number one, because the Bible is the inspired word of God. And those two words mean something. What does suffer loss mean, my friends? I don't know how it's going to play out, but I know you can't just scratch that out of your Bible. <laughs> I mean, suffer loss means something. And what does loss mean? I can think of all kinds of loss in this life. Losing a baby. Losing a pregnancy. We, we've, we've had that. Losing, losing loved ones. Losing a job. Losing money. Losing your reputation. Losing trust. Friends, I can't think of any of those that are good, okay? None of those are sparking my interests, okay? None of those are things I want to live with forever. Okay, I'm, I'm just saying loss. What does the word loss mean? Well, you, you fill it in. You know what it means. Loss. What does suffer mean? We know what that word means too. So suffer loss are not things that I think we ought to blow off and say it's not going to matter. I just, I just blow my life down here because it's not really going to matter. I, I just don't, I, I struggle with that. Number two, we know that part of the reward for a faithful life is going to be the commendation, the well done, good and faithful servant. We just talked about that. Well, on the other side of that, listen to this verse, 1 John 2.28. And now, little children, abide in him, abide in Jesus, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Okay, if the opposite of, of receiving commendation from the Lord is, is being ashamed when He comes. Now again, some of you are going to say, well, it's okay, it's all right, it's all right, I'll be in heaven. Okay, I, I, okay I, hey, I'm with you as far as heaven or hell, I, I pick heaven, okay? But we're talking about right now, how are we going to live our life? And this is, this is truth we need to understand. I don't want to be ashamed when Jesus... I, I don't... I, I don't want to have nothing to offer Jesus. I don't, want, I don't want the fires of judgment to go over my life. And I got nothing to honor Jesus with. You ever showed up at a party and you didn't know it was like a present party? You ever had that happen? We've had that happen. We've had that happen with our kids, you know. And you know what we did? We, we let them off and we're like, oh, yeah, we forgot something. Uh, we'll be right back, you know. We were going to get a present because... We don't, we don't want, you know, that's just kind of embarrassing. But here's the reality. At a little kid's party, it matters not at all. First of all, it's all junk, you know. They don't need it. They got too much of it. The parents never care. They're, they're like grabbing you and hugging you. Thank you for not bringing them more junk, you know. Um, but it's, it's still, still troublesome to me, isn't it? To show up without, you know. Okay, ramp that up to eternity. And you're looking at Jesus Christ who saved your soul. And you got nothing in your life to offer. I think that means something. You know, to have built upon Jesus' church with junk. You know, to have, to have junked up his church. Man. Yeah, you ever, I'm just trying to think of ways to make this drive home. Have, have you ever, you ever broken somebody something of somebody else's, you know? You ever gone to their house and you, you, you broke it, you know? <laughs> you know, you got to come in. 
Huh? Was this face special? I know it says with love from grandma, 1883, but was it an antique? You know? It's probably never happened to some of you, has it? Just invite us over. We'll, we'll break something. But yeah, I've just felt, just felt, have, have you ever, have you ever, I'm trying to think of shame, shame things. Have you, have you ever did, did something that dishonored somebody? And you realized it right after you did it. He said that sinking in your gut. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? Just in your gut. I'm just thinking, if any of those hit home with eternity, I do not want that forever. And that's my third point with the suffer loss. Whatever that means, it, it's meaning that in the context of eternity, not right now. You, you know what happens if I, if, I, if I dishonor somebody? You know what I try to do? I try to make it up. Don't you? You know? Maybe you blow it. You try to make it up. But put this into a context where there is no opportunity to make it up. So, depression of all depression, huh? This is a terrible sermon. Um, I don't think so. And here's the reason I don't think so. you got time to build today. Right? Here's what I think this sermon ought to do. It ought not bring us to despair because, number one, Jesus Christ has taken away our sins if you're a believer. And, and he's given us his righteousness. Amen. Okay. And, and now we got opportunity. I mean, I just think Jesus is filling us in. Hey, you know about this now. So, so begin to build. Just, uh, he's not asking you to do things you can't do. He's just asking you to build. Build and invest. Give God good, the good parts of your life. Try. Try. That's what all he's saying. Try. You know, make an intentional effort. Say, this matters. And I, and I want to build for eternity. I had one more point, but. It's our time's out. I didn't get to it in any of the others either. Um, that whole cold water baptism set us behind today. Um, verse 16 and 17 talk about those who hurt the church. You can read it when you go home. Um, that gets real serious. You don't want to be, you don't want to be a person who, who harms the faith of others. That's a serious thing. Hey, guys, good news. We're still living. We're still breathing. Let's invest today. Let's build. Let's build something today. On the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Judgment day is coming. Glory is coming. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you've given us your word. We thank you that you've um, just kind of given us a heads up on what's to come, that we're going to be accountable for this life. I thank you for your Holy Spirit, God, who enables us to build well. God, if it were just up to me, I know, Lord, that I would blow it every day. But, God, your Holy Spirit gives us power. It gives us direction. It enables, it takes our, our, our attempts, and, and, it, and it uses them. You you use them. He uses them. God, thank you for that. We bless your name for that. Lord, uh, Lord, let us live for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.